1: This episode features first-hand accounts from real people detailing their disturbing experiences. Listener discretion is advised.
0: I'm Rhiannon, I'm a social media manager for a living, and this is about my best friend, Brittany. She was my best friend growing up through high school. She was unfortunately diagnosed with leukemia when she was 16 years old. It was a very long fight with leukemia. And right after we graduated from high school, we thought that she was going through remission Unfortunately she got sick again and she ended up back in the hospital. And I remember just spending so many nights with her in the hospital and watching Disney movies. She was my everything. I I absolutely loved her. And she always told me, you know, because we were so close, she always told me that she would always she would always be there for me. It was just very unfortunate because I wasn't with her when this happened, but she unfortunately collapsed in her bathroom. This was after a long stay in the hospital and then she was able to go back home and she was at home she was in the bathroom with her mom and she collapsed on the floor i don't know the the details her mom didn't really quite explain it very well for me but it was assumed that she had gotten sick from the hospital for a lack of better terms it's the flesh eating thing so she contracted that unfortunately while she was in the hospital for leukemia because of this, they put her into an induced a coma. And she was in a coma for several days. And I had been going back and forth between my home and the hospital and being there by Brittany's side. While I was beside her bed, she did not look like herself. She looked very sickly. Her eyes did look like they were kind of bleeding a bit. And we asked the hospital staff, and apparently the hospital staff said that's quote, normal, which I haven't seen anything like that for anyone in a coma. I'm not a medical professional. Her eyes in the hospital were kind of bloody. She looked very dried out. It was very difficult to see her in that way. After visiting hours, I went home. I woke up to my, my cat who was on my bed, who was growling at something, growling, hissing. I know I woke up. I was definitely definitely awake because I, I first bent over, I pet my cat to calm him down. I caught from the corner of my eye in the left hand corner of my room. My best friend was just standing there in her prom dress. I didn't feel scared but it, it didn't look like Brittany. I knew it was Brittany but it, at the same time, I mean, she looked absolutely awful. She she looked She looked dead. She looked at me and she said, do I look dry to you? Which is a very odd question, but um, she had very dry, cracked lips. She had her bloody eyes. And I said, no, Brittany, you look beautiful. And she looked back at me and she said, see, that's why I love you. (laughs) I forgot what she said, but it was something along the lines of how I was going to be okay. And before I could say anything else, I just... I just continued looking at her because I just, I was in so much shock. And she took a step backwards and it it just seemed to be that she just faded into the blackness of the corner of my room. Gosh, it took, it took a while for me to calm down and actually go back to sleep. In fact, I don't think I actually did fall back asleep. I was just in shock. And I got a call maybe, maybe an hour later. And this was, mind you, this was like in the middle of the night like early, early morning, probably around like 3 a.m., 4 a.m. when I saw her. I didn't look at a time. I was just in shock. And it was maybe 5 or 6 in the morning that I received a phone call that Brittany had passed away during the night. And I I knew she had because she came to say goodbye. But yeah, that was the very first time I've ever seen like an actual, unexplainable apparition in front of me and that's not that's not the first time that i saw her um i went over to her her family's house to her mom's house and her sisters her two older sisters lived there i went over there by myself to drop off some things i had the code to the house that's how close we were and i just wanted to drop off photos of Brittany that her family didn't have just, you know, photos from our, this is going to really date me, (laughs) you know, the, um, the photos that you take on like a disposable camera. So they weren't like, they weren't like digital back then. So I, um, I dropped off some of my copies of my disposable photos and the dog, their dog was going a little crazy and he, he knew me. So I don't know why this little Yorkie was, losing his mind and i remember looking up and i saw this shadow and it was walking across the room and then it went from one side of the room to the other in like a split second and it looked like a shadow of a female and i called her sister and i said hey is someone here at the house and she goes oh my god you just saw Brittany, didn't you And that startled me because I was like, wow, I've already seen her in my room. And then I've seen her again at her house. She said, yeah, no one's at the house, but we've been seeing Brittany. Her mom also showed me a photo after I had told her, you know, I saw the shadow at your house. I don't know what it was. And She goes, oh, yeah, no, it's Brittany. Just very calmly, like, oh, yeah, Brittany, Brittany's still lingering around. And she showed me this photo that she had taken from the kitchen. Gosh, it was two orbs like a baseball or tennis ball size like as if you had like a tennis ball or a, a baseball just glowing um there were two of them side by side in the kitchen her dad had died Brittany's dad had died while she was in treatment he died right there in the kitchen from a heart attack her mom showing me this photo said oh look it's Brittany and her dad they're together again something i could not explain And then the last time anyone saw Brittany that I know of, I had a light that kept turning on and off in my room. And I thought that was very odd. So I asked my dad, who was a officer in the military. So this guy is, I've never seen my dad cry, ever. And I asked him, can you go inside my room and just check on this light that's going on and off? So he went in. And while he's changing out the light, because he's just assuming maybe it's a bad light bulb, he sees this black figure just walk across my room. Just a black, shadowy figure. He said he could kind of sort of see through it, but it was just like this mass. And he was convinced it was Brittany. It took maybe a few months of of that very crazy time, but now i still talk to her sisters one of her sisters actually lives in my apartment complex 10 years later and we both we both can't talk about her we both went through a lot of those experiences together this is gonna sound weird because i haven't i haven't had an experience in a very long time but i grew up in a house where i'm pretty sure it was haunted and we had all sorts of unexplainable things happen in that house I mean, I could tell you tons of stories that happened within those walls. And I think that because I lived in that house, maybe maybe I was more sensitive to paranormal things. But I'm mean, for me like seeing and believing. I'm not a religious person. But I can't deny some of the things I've seen and I've experienced. But it was only in that house. And it was only in Brittany's house too shortly after she passed away. But I've been living away from that house for years now, and i never felt her experience anything like I ever did before when I lived there.
1: Coming up after the break, we're going to hear more from Rhiannon about her experience. This episode is made possible by Supporty. Are you struggling to stay motivated to the goals you've set for yourself? Maybe you're trying to wake up earlier, but you keep hitting that snooze button. Or perhaps you have dreams of starting your own podcast or side hustle, but you haven't been putting in the work consistently. Well, one of the best ways to make lasting behavioral changes is by an accountability partner who will help you stick to positive daily actions. So how do you find a reliable accountability partner who's going to engage with you and keep you honest? Supporty is a mobile app that matches you with accountability buddies for a week at a time. Supporty pairs you and a buddy up one-on-one. That's for maximum accountability. Plus, it's mutual. So you encourage your buddy and they encourage you each day of your seven-day session. What's really cool is you can see whether your partner accomplished their daily actions and they can see the same about you. If you want a more effective way to stay motivated, experience the difference of an accountability partner. Download Supporty. That's support with an I at the end from the Apple App Store or Google Play Store and make sure you choose Disturbed Podcast when you create your account to start your two-week free trial. You can check out the show notes of this episode for more details. Get encouragement, get motivated, and achieve more with Supporty. I wanted to know a little bit more about what it was like in the moment when Rhiannon saw Brittany.
0: At that moment I knew she had passed. I just I, I it's so strange. I wasn't scared. Like I always saw like oh my gosh if I ever see a ghost or a spirit or whatever I'm going to be scared. But this was my best friend standing in front of me, but she didn't look she didn't look good. Um so that was that was scary to see that that she, you know, looked awful. At the same time she was kind of like letting me know like everything was going to be okay. So it was sadness, but calmness at the same time.
1: Rhiannon had mixed feelings about the experience.
0: I'm so glad. Um, well, although, I mean, that's my very last memory of her, seeing her in that way. But I'm glad she did that because, I'll be honest, I didn't feel like I was the most amazing friend towards the end because I didn't call her every day, and I should have. I remember her when she was alive and well. She called me once and she said, people stopped calling me. No one ever calls me because they know I'm going to die. So I'm glad she did that because it let me know that she wasn't mad at me. And then something that kind of backed up that, you know, me knowing that she wasn't mad at me was when I saw her sister 10 years walk into my apartment complex, I literally started crying because I hadn't seen her since the day of the funeral. She told me right then and there, you know, everyone left her except for you. You were the only one who stayed around and Brittany will always love you for that. And it was just shocking because that's basically the feeling that I got when I saw her in my room. Yeah, it was closure. It's crazy. I've, I've dealt with an unusual amount of death in my life. Um, I've had a lot of people close to me who have passed away, but Brittany is the only one who's shown herself to me for me to experience that and i i know at 30 years old that you know 17 year old me was not imagining things i definitely was not asleep 100% i was not asleep when that happened well i did hear from her mom and her two sisters that they had seen her around the house but no one expressed that they had seen her like i had seen her they said that they would just see shadows you know, of her walking around the house. They would walk into a room and they'd see a shadow walk across the room. And it just, it makes sense to me because she was the most lively person I've ever met in my life. She would walk into a room and people instantly knew that there was like this beautiful, vibrant energy that had just waltzed in. And she always, she always brightened up everyone's, you know, lives. So it made sense for her, I guess, energy to live on for at least... A month. I mean, it kind of just stayed around. It just lingered. Yeah, she was just very powerful. She was just a very powerful person to be around.
1: Rhiannon believes Brittany showed herself to her because of how close they were.
0: Oh, definitely, definitely. Because everyone else left her. Yeah, everyone else abandoned her, and I was the only one who stayed around. And she and I had we had an extremely close bond that I still haven't found with anyone else. We just had so many different, amazing experiences together. And I think it's also because I was the only one who went and actually spent the night. I would actually <laughs> stay past visiting hours for, you know, as nice as the hospital staff was, they, they allowed us to, for me to stay after. and Because they knew, they knew that she wasn't going to make it. And her goal was to watch every Disney movie ever made. And so <laughs> we would watch Disney movies. her hospital bed. We were very, very close and pretty inseparable.
1: Rhiannon reflects on how her and Brittany met.
0: I met her, she was a year older than I. She was a sophomore when I was a freshman. I met her when I was a freshman. The school nurse used to give me rides home because we were neighbors and she went to the nurse's office once because she was sick. Not with cancer at the time, but just sick, sick. She met me in the nurse's office and she goes, what's your name? <laughs> just immediately came up to me and said, What's your name? And here I am looking at her and she's she's blonde, surfer type. Where's Abercrombie? Like the pop she was like really popular. And I did not feel like I was the popular girl. I'm thinking, what is this girl doing talking to me? I'm so beneath her. I said, well my name's Rihanna and she goes, oh my gosh, that was my ex-best friend's name. You're my new best friend. I didn't actually think it was gonna stick because I just thought she was joking, but literally um we we became really close friends, but then she um she kind of faded away, um, and I didn't know what happened to her. We had lost contact for maybe a few months, and then I saw her walk into a subway. And I didn't recognize her at first. I mean, this was like maybe six months later, after we stopped talking to each other, she was wearing bunny ears. She was wearing bright pink bunny ears and a wig, and she was emaciated. I was like, oh my gosh, that's that's Brittany. And I couldn't believe that that was her when she walked in and she came up to me and she gave me a big hug. And she's like, I'm so sorry I stayed out of contact. I kind of got cancer. And like the way she was, she was just very funny about things. She's like, I've been kind of busy. I kind of got cancer. I was like, oh, dang, <laughs> I am so sorry. And then we went out and saw a movie that night. And then we were inseparable again. And we were inseparable from, gosh, um, the time that, Gosh, I guess it was. She was like seventeen at that time, and then she passed away at nineteen.
1: Rhiannon remembers back to her childhood when she had more experiences.
0: I had a lot of experiences when I was younger. I know I wasn't crazy because my friends would come over and they would they wouldn't spend the night. They 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 had the intention to spend the night, but then sometime in the middle of the night they would call their parents and ask to go home because they would wake up and they would see things my And it wasn't just kids seeing stuff my my mom had several friends who said, "Your house is haunted um one of them uh was asked to babysit our cats while we were gone, and she did not want to enter our house by herself I mean, and that's an adult that was a that was a grown woman who did not want to enter our house. I think the most terrifying moment in my house was it was literally. <laughs> September 11th, 2001. I woke up and it was very strange. My radium turned on. It was around 4 or 5 a.m. Radio turned on and it was just voices were screaming at the top of their lungs. People were coughing, screaming. And I felt like I was choking on smoke myself. And it sounded like fuel. It smelled, sorry, it smelled like fuel. And I couldn't explain it, and I felt so sick. My mom came in to wake me up around 6 a.m. for for school, because we had to be at school at 7 a.m., 7.30. I was like, I I'm, I can't, I'm so sick. I couldn't explain it, and here I am, 11 years old, and for whatever reason, I when I stayed home, my mom let me stay home because we had um, a caretaker for my grandmother who lived with us at the time, so she wasn't leaving an 11-year-old by herself. Before the caretaker got there, I turned on CNN. I'm 11 years old, keep in mind, 11 year olds don't, they don't usually watch CNN. But I am convinced at this point that something happened, something disastrous happened. Also, I should explain before September 11th, before that morning, have, I was having dreams, some kind of an explosion going on in a big building, in a city and I wrote a short story two weeks before September 11th and I had entered it into a writing contest and I won and they were shocked because the details of my short story were very very similar to the September 11th attacks and it's from stuff that I was dreaming of just waking up on September 11th feeling like I was choking on smoke I still can't explain it or having this strong desire to to turn on the news to see what was going on in the world because I was convinced this time. I, I I woke up asking my mom, did anything happen? No, nothing happened in the world. I said, well, something's going to happen. Something's going to happen. I turned on CNN. And as we all know, how September 11th played out, but it was several hours before that literally I was convinced that there were terrorist attacks happening. Well, I, I didn't know something was going to happen, but I was having all these dreams. And I couldn't explain it. I remember when I wrote that short story, um, unfortunately, when because I, I read it in front of my class, I was made fun of, and I ultimately had to leave that school because everyone called me a witch. Because of how scarily, how eerie it was that it was very similar to what actually happened on September 11th. When I read it to gosh, it was maybe a group of 100 people. People were crying and people were saying, oh my gosh, I, I bet September 11th really affected you. And the person who was moderating it said, well, the scary thing is she submitted, the, she, she submitted the story to us before September 11th happened.
1: Rhiannon reflected on the history of her house.
0: That's the weird part, is my parents built that house in the 1970s. Um, it's in Land Lakes, Florida. But before... Before they had built the house, from what I heard, and I haven't done much research on this with Land O'Lakes, but there was some murderer who used to drop off bodies in that area um, before that house had been built. I have no idea, but I also spoke to neighbors who also had very eerie experiences. Um, one of my neighbors had snakes that would constantly come into the house and they would have pest control come in and they couldn't figure out where the, where the snakes were possibly coming in from. They constantly had snakes and she would constantly see like a, a shadowy figure. It was just our neighborhood. And then um, the neighbors across the street from us, their house was built maybe a few years after my parents built the their house. I think it was like, it was still in the 1970s. People would briefly live there and then move out. One family finally admitted that they would see they would see things. From what I would hear from other people was that they experienced similar things too. And this was just in the immediate, you know, vicinity of where our house was. I wish I had more history on it, but um, there's not a lot of history on that because Land Lakes used to be called Denham, and then Denim was changed to Land Lakes. So it's changed names, and so. I haven't really gone to a library to see, you know, the history of the city that I grew up in, but no one other than my grandmother died in that house. And my grandmother died in 1997. We would also hear humming. My grandmother used to hum while she was alive. And then when she passed away, we would hear humming. um, Like someone singing from my grandmother's bedroom. And my mom would smell cooking, like as if someone was like making breakfast. And so I remember experienced it when I was younger. I very clearly got the idea that it wasn't necessarily a good energy because of the dark things that I would see. I just remember, like when I just think of my childhood, I just think of, I just try and convince myself that they were nightmares. I would also lock my door in the middle of the night and some way, somehow I would wake up to my door wide open. It like the door was unlocked and wide open, which looked out to a hallway, a very dark hallway. And I didn't know if it was my eyes playing tricks with me, but I would think that I saw a black shadow out there that would move out of the way right when I would wake up. And then I would lock the door again. And then I would put stuff up against my door, like a dresser, anything, just to like make sure that it didn't open up again. And when I was, gosh, about six years old, I walked to the bathroom and I saw it was about, gosh, it was a lot taller than I, it must've been at least six feet tall. This figure with like bright red eyes staring back at me. That was the only time I ever saw bright red eyes. But the next morning when I told my mom I had seen red eyes in the bathroom, she just went ghost white. And she goes, I've seen red eyes too. And here I am a child, I'm six years old. And my mom's admitting that she's, she's seen red eyes too. Yeah. And it just, it felt like it was dark. And then early twenties, when I was in college, I, I feel like whatever was in my house was like feeding on my, my energy. And I got very depressed. I got to a very, very, very low point in my life. And the, the, the sadder I got, or the more depressed I got, the more active this thing was. And I started convincing myself that maybe I was crazy. Maybe I was seeing things. Maybe I was schizophrenic. I don't know. But once I left that house, I've been, I've been fine. I've, I've been great. I haven't seen anything. I haven't, I haven't experienced anything. I'm not afraid to go to sleep anymore. Whereas in that house, I was afraid to go to sleep. I would sleep with the covers over my head every single night, well into my 20s. And this is going to sound very strange, but like I haven't talked to my parents in quite some time. It's been like three years and I've spoken to other people about this too. My parents have have just grown into, they, they were really wonderful people. In some way, somehow they've just turned into really dark individuals that nobody wants to be around. Very bitter. They're very, very bitter, very angry they don't seem like they're completely with it right now. They're not my parents that they used to be. They still live there. And I don't, I don't know, because when I lived there, I felt like whatever it was, it was feeding off of me. And I was morbidly depressed. And I had been seeing psychologists and psychiatrists since the time I was 11. So from the time I was 11 until I left that house... Um, I was just very depressed. I was on a depression medication. It was bad. I haven't touched depression medication since I moved out of that house. Unfortunately, they built their dream house. So they they designed the the house. And right now, I don't feel like they have a really good excuse to stay there because my parents are in their 70s at this point And they really should downgrade to a smaller house. It's like a, at least a one story. But they built this giant two story but there's just so much dark energy there, and every time I would tell someone, "Oh, my house is—I'm pretty—I'm con- pretty convinced my house is haunted." People who were even like non-believers were like, "Oh, I—I I doubt it." I um, even had a boyfriend once who he—he he spent the night because he was like, "Okay, I gotta see what this is like." He spent the night, and we were sleeping on the couch, and that's when we started hearing banging noises, and it was coming from the patio area. And so we rushed over to my bedroom, um, locked the door and I had a, um, like a hurricane shutter. It was closed, but a little bit of it, you could peer through underneath. And we were trying to look underneath the hurricane shutter to see what the noise was going outside. And then all of a sudden we heard the noise coming in from the kitchen and it was like the cabinets were like, slamming they were like opening and slamming shut we were hearing a bunch of noise and he was absolutely losing his mind he was like oh my god i never believed in ghosts until now because i grew up there i i just grew up thinking okay like don't tell the medical professionals they're going to lock you up because every time i would spend the night at like a hotel or a friend's house like i was fine i never felt anything but then the moment I would step through the door of my own house, I was just, I felt like I was always being watched. I still have nightmares about that house. Um, I feel like that house might, I don't know, I just feel like it fueled energy. Like, I feel like it was like a hub. Like, I feel like if my best friend were to pass away today, I probably wouldn't see her in my apartment. I'm definitely glad that I experienced that last moment with her. Because that was the kind of closure I needed to hear because I, you know, whenever someone passes away, you always feel like there's something else you should have said, or you've wondered, you know, how does that person feel about me? And for her to say, it was, it was just her way of testing me kind of thing, saying, do I look dry to you? And she knew that I was always going to say what's going to make her feel better and say, no, no, Brittany, you look beautiful. When she looked, she looked dead. Um, and she goes, see, that's why I love you. And you're going to be fine. You know, that really helps. That really, really helps because I didn't get that confirmation from her sister until 10 years later, when she walked into our apartment complex and said, you were the best thing that ever happened to Brittany. I always felt like I didn't call her enough towards the end. And she goes, Oh my God, what are you talking about? You were the only one who did. I've changed so much as a person since Brittany. Um, whenever I have really good people in my life again like I, I haven't had anyone close to me like i did with britney but whenever i do have someone i i like my husband i tell him all the time how much i love him because you never know what's going to happen you always have to like reassure them and then because britney always wanted to live life to the fullest she wanted to go you know riding in a hot air balloon or you know all sorts of things she had all these bucket lists items i've I feel like I've like lived for her kind of thing. I haven't gone on a hot air balloon yet, but that'll happen someday for her. Now I feel like a part of her lives in me now because I've adopted that and I try and tell people all the time I love them and I try to experience life to the fullest as well. So I do, I do what Brittany would have done. I, yeah, like every day of my life, I do exactly what Brittany would have done.
1: You've been listening to Disturbed. Special thanks to Rhiannon for coming on to share her story. You can see more info on our website, disturbedpodcast.com. If you enjoyed this episode, help us grow by sharing the show with a friend. And make sure you subscribe wherever you're listening so you always get the newest episodes automatically. Learn more about our Patreon fan club and benefits package for as little as $1 a month over at disturbedpodcast.com slash fan club. If you have your own disturbing experience you want to share for the podcast, leave us a voicemail through our hotline at 701-712-8008. Find us on Facebook and Instagram at disturbedpodcast and on Twitter at disturbed underscore pod to stay up to date with all the latest disturbed news we'll be back next week with a brand new episode stay safe out there y'all